Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers in the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 275, BGG Hotness for June 2020. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, here we are again talking about the hotness that is burning up the chart as far as board games are concerned, on BGG. But before we get into all of that, Anthony, there is a lot going on in the board game industry. Obviously, you mentioned the pandemic and how that's affecting everybody out there. And it's also affecting all of the conventions out there as well. So give us an update. What's going on out there? Yeah, I mean, last week we talked about Spiel being canceled, uh, which was huge. Like That's the biggest board game convention, period, right? But like the one con we were waiting on news from the one we were waiting on news from we've mentioned it last week dropped news like the morning after we were recorded so you might have listened to our episode last week and said hey why didn't you mention gen con canceling and it's because we didn't know it when we recorded but the next day gen con canceled so gen con is officially postponed until 2021 which is not surprising to us Hopefully, it's not surprising to the majority of you. I feel like it was surprising to some people out there who are huge Gen Con fans. But, I mean, 50,000 people in one place in two months. I just I can't see it happening. And that's probably it for the year. I know PAX is still on for the end of the year. I don't see how they go forward either with 30,000, 40,000 people expected to attend. But at the moment... We don't have any cons until November, so we'll see how it goes, right? (laughs) Yeah, Gen Con was a big one to close. I think we all kind of knew that that was going to happen really early on because 
if you've ever attended Gen Con or if you've ever seen pictures of Gen Con, you'll understand that the crowds are beyond belief. They're just a wave after wave after wave of people. I think a couple of weeks back when Bruce was on the episode, he was talking about how he held back as the waves of people came at yeah. him. <laughs> That's every day. I mean, you get there hours in advance and you you wait out in this huge lobby area to try to get into the convention. And once you do, it's sometimes it's single file where there's just crowds and crowds of people on top of each other. So again, not terribly surprising. You know, it does break your heart a little bit, especially for all of our friends out there in Indiana. I know that so many people out there were holding out hope that this could actually still happen. But a board game convention is a very unique type of convention, especially something indoors and the fact that we all sit down at the table together, which is usually the most wonderful thing possible. But in this case, we need to be six foot away. So it would be a very difficult thing to do. So really going to miss Gen Con this year. And hopefully this time next year, we can announce that it will actually happen. So we're holding out hope for that. Uh, Gen Con's doing something else, Anthony, right? They're, they're going to put something in place. We have a list of about 20 or so conventions that are going to happen digitally in 2020. Um, Gen Con is a big one. Uh, it is still expected they're going to run a digital convention from July 30th to August 2nd. And they've described it as an opportunity to see new games that are coming out, to pre-order some of those games from the companies that are physically able to ship them to people, play some of those games online, to interact with some of the people who are going to give you know, speeches or whatever that might be, you know, keynote speeches. And I'm, I'm excited for it. I don't know that they've released enough information yet to know what that's going to look like. Origins Online is happening much sooner from June 19th to the 21st. They have released a lot more information. They have, you know, a list of keynote speakers, people running the streams. They have people like at certain times of the day. It's going to have like a digital, you know, game floor where you can buy stuff, demo stuff, whatever it might be. Dozens more, though. So if you search for BGG virtual cons, you'll find this list. So you've got things like Strategic Con. You've got Renegade Games doing their own virtual con. You've got Portal doing their own virtual con as well. Spiel, like we mentioned last week, is they canceled, but they're doing their own digital con as well from October 22nd to the 25th. So I feel like every con that's canceled this year has planned on doing something digitally for two to four days. What that looks like, we literally have no idea yet. Nobody's done it yet. We don't know what it's going to look like. BGG did something kind of, I want i don't want to say basic. That's a very strong word these days, but it was pretty basic <laughs> last week um, after we talked about it. Uh, but I feel like going further into the summer and then into the fall, we'll see like a little more sophisticated stuff. Life is going to change. Even after the pandemic passes and hopefully sooner than later, we're probably looking at a new way that the industry is going to operate. And some of that actually might be a little bit better. Obviously, not everyone could be at every convention, especially the big conventions. So maybe they'll always be or maybe, you know, going forward, there'll be more ongoing online conventions or maybe live streaming events that are going on so that everyone could take advantage of all the new releases. So maybe there'll be some good things that come out of this as far as the convention's concerned. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, it kind of adds up. Yes, absolutely. Uh, take advantage of all of these online conventions. They do help the industry greatly. They do help publishers greatly. 
And if you can, please support your local friendly game stores because, of course, they could use your support as well. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with BGA and going on with the board game industry. Let's talk about the things that's going on with our listeners. Let's talk about our question of the week. All right, question of the week. It is Memorial Day when we're recording this. Um, I had a nice picnic with the family out in the front yard. (laughs) You know, like not leaving our little closed property, but I know a lot of people (laughs) got out there and hit the beach and parks, and hopefully they maintain their social distance in the process. But my question for everybody was, what's the best board game for a picnic in the backyard? So we have a whole bunch of entries. We had 24 people respond. Thank you for everybody who like wrote in, had responses to this. George mentioned Mexican Train as a Domino's game. I feel like any Domino's game would be great outside. Brian mentioned Spirit of the Forest as a really lovely little tile game. Uh, tile games, of course, also being very good. The wind's not going to pick them up or move them around. Uh, Jim mentioned something with heavier pieces, such as an upgraded version of Quacks of Kleblenberg, um, Wingspan, Tiny Town, Sentry, Golem Edition, or any of the Azul games, which had several different people mention the Azul games because they have those big, thick tiles. Um, we had Martin mention Shobu or Onitama, with nice chunky pieces, quick and easy to play. Uh, we had Hive come up several different times. Those big thick pieces are just giant tiles. You can play like nice two player game. Our friend David, he mentioned Happy Salmon, which is perfect. Really, any of these like party games where you're like hanging out and throwing stuff around. Happy Salmon, especially you're like up and moving around. You have cards, especially, but you're like holding onto them and throwing them into a pile. Um, would be a good one. Um, Matilda mentioned Blockus, uh, Zack and Pack, Fitz and Suro, um, games of big tiles. Adam mentioned Crokinole, which obviously that's perfect. It's, it weighs like 200 pounds. Throw <laughs> <So, laughs> right it on a picnic table, you're good to go. <laughs> and worst case scenario, if you get flooded, you got a boat. So you're good either way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our buddy Howard mentioned Medium. So I could keep going for a while to hear it. We got a whole bunch of responses. I just want to thank you to everybody who you know reached out. Party games, of course, going to fit. But anything with like big, thick, heavy tiles that aren't going to move mm-hmm. in the weather... It's perfect. So, yeah, like lots of good stuff. Hopefully people got these games to the table this weekend. Yeah, I think the one for me that's always a standby is The Duke, which mm. has a small board, giant, I wouldn't say giant, but pretty good sized chunky wood tiles that are used in representative of the pieces and all the instructions that you need to know, or at least the majority of the instructions you need to know about what the piece does is actually carved into the wood pieces. So beyond that, it's just a bag of more wood pieces, which you kind of kind of pass around. So no fuss, no muss. So if you like chess at any level or like drafting at any level, uh, the Duke would be my suggestion. All right. So that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Anthony, let's get on to the games that we want to hit the table and the tablet. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. Yeah. So uh, this week I had a couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, The first one up is actually not a game. This is a um, kind of a cool project from uh, a friend here in Pittsburgh, uh, Michelle, who does a lot of fun artistic type of work, but has recently been doing a lot of that with like board game stuff. 
combining that with this huge obsession people now have with pins at conventions, uh, she put up a Kickstarter for board game genre enamel pins. So this is 15 different pins that represent different genres of board games. So we've got Euro game, worker placement, hidden role, dexterity, legacy, co-op, 18xx, which is one of my favorites. Um, deck building, combat, bluffing, push your luck, puzzle, a couple more. Um, there's also some stickers on here and just a bunch of really cool stuff. So the way it's set up is you can back for whatever number of pins you want. And then out of the ones that are unlocked, you'll be able to pick which ones you'd like to get. So at this point, I feel like most of them are unlocked. Um, there's maybe five or six left and the trajectory of the um, campaign makes it seem seem like you're going to get them all. So like if you go check out the campaign, my hope is that all of those would eventually be available and at least most of them are. So take a look. Uh, I again, I love this kind of stuff. I, you know, T-shirts, pins, puzzles, coffee cups, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm all about it. And these in particular are just really fun. So I myself have backed it for three pins and one of the stickers. So I'm looking forward to getting those. I haven't chosen which ones I'm going to get yet. Um, 18xx for sure, because it's kind of like just one of the big ones now. And I feel I could make myself known amongst them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on here. So rolling rights, we got euros, worker placement, uh, maybe just general board gamer, because that's, that's what I do. But yeah, the check these out. It is on Kickstarter for 20 more days. So it actually expires. Hey, on my birthday. <laughs> so there you go. Had to back this um, June 18th at 2 p.m. Um, you have lots and lots of time to back it. So check it out. The other one is one that just recently went up as just recording this a little bit. And that is the relaunch of Nemesis. And I'm not going to dig into this too much because I kind of want to talk about it in greater detail either next week or maybe the week after that. It's up for like 20 days. But this is a game that I've mentioned a whole bunch and I'm going to mention later on the BGG hotness as just like just running up the list, right? It's in like number 33 now in the top 100. And that's insane to me. <laughs> and, and like for weird reasons, like anytime there's a game I just haven't even played, it barely knew existed and rises that high. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, it's not. The game looks great. It's like a alien the board game, but done well kind of a thing. So this is from Awaken Realms, who has done a whole bunch of great stuff. Um, the one I have of theirs is Lords of Hellas, but they've also created The Great Wall, which I backed recently, um, Tainted Grail, which was hugely popular, The Edge, Downfall, This War of Mine. So lots and lots of really popular stuff and really big Kickstarter campaigns. This one gives you a chance to get the original version of the game um, with all those expansions and stuff, which Right now, if you want it, it's like three or four hundred dollars on eBay, but you can get it at the normal Kickstarter price, plus a standalone expansion, either with or without all that other stuff. So I think you can go like all in on everything, and it's less than three hundred, which is pretty good considering you'd be spending at least three hundred to get the first Kickstarter campaign stuff. So check that out. Um, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. Um, it's one of those games I wish I'd had a chance to play over the years and just haven't, but it's definitely on my radar, and I'm considering it <laughs> we'll see what else comes up uh, i know chris has an acquisition disorder coming up that might supplant this <laughs> with my money for this month but yeah there you go the check out the board game genre enamel pins and check out nemesis lockdown both on kickstarter now all right so i want to talk about a campaign that will be hitting kickstarter any day now so 
for us any day now, but for you, it's already hit Kickstarter. So I am projecting to the future. And I'm talking about a campaign that Anthony and I have talked about quite a lot. And I actually went back and I'm like, did we actually have this as an acquisition disorder? I mean, we've talked about it forever and yada, yada, yada. But nonetheless, Kemet, Blood and Sand on Kickstarter. It's back. If you haven't played Kemet before, why not, man? It's awesome. So Kemet from Matago Games is all about the mythology of ancient Egypt and utilizing these massive mythological creatures and gods that you're going to pray to in order to be able to get points and experience in order to control the different areas of the map. And again, it's a bit of an area control game, but there is a ton of Euro mechanics in it. And especially what Kemet's is really well known for is its tiles, because you're going to be able to build up an economy, a defense, an offense, and special abilities based upon the different tiles you pick up in the game. What's really interesting about Kemet, beyond the wonderful miniatures and the great artwork and the gameplay, is that it is an area control game that forces you to fight. So it's very much Fight Club, the board game, in the way that there is no way to turtle down. There's no way to kind of like swoop around or surprise attacks. Like everything's on the board, everything's in front of you, and you are mere inches away from everyone else. So it kind of has become the area control miniature game du jour, right? Recently, Simon had a European, Egyptian area control game, almost like a bit of a clone, so to speak, from Eric Lang and Simon. And it was like, ah, this is good. This reminds me of Kemet. But I think most of us knew that this was coming. So I didn't actually back that version of it because I was pretty solid on backing this version. I played Kemet a lot. It's one of my favorite dudes on a map type of game, area control game. And again, I especially love the combinations that you can put together for your civilization based upon those tiles. It's had multiple expansions, including a really cool crossover expansion with Cyclades. And now it's finally getting a huge Kickstarter upgrade that's going to include several changes to the rules. Now, the changes to the rules are not radical, but it's going to clean up some things that have occurred, especially with its additional expansions that came into play in the game. I think its last expansion was the most troublesome as far as how things did play out so you're going to get a new rule set which is great you're going to get all four pyramid colors now if you know the game about cyclades the pyramids are tied to the tiles so you get these really cool dice that look like pyramids right and these really cool d4s that act as the pyramid but also as the numbers go up you're going to be able to choose better tiles so you're not rolling the dice in the game they're just acting as an indicator as far as what kind of powerful tiles you can get. Now, one of the most important things, and if you listen back to our episodes, I think one of our biggest versus episode uh, included Kemet here. I did not like the board. I was not a fan of the board artwork, the graphic design, just not working for me. Here, it's upgraded, which I really like. Things are a lot clearer. Things are a lot smoother. The graphic design's a lot better. There's also these divine intervention cards, which kind of give you special abilities, a little bit of a bonus. 
they were fun, but again, it was a little bit loosey goosey as far as what you got versus what I got. So this is also being revised. There are new battle cards. So one of the really interesting things about Kemet was how the battles kind of occurred. So you had your units on the board, any kind of special abilities on the tiles or monsters or things like that. And then you had a battle card that you would choose from your hand and one you would discard. And the battle card would not just have a strength value that you'd be able to add, but also showed you defense and wounds. So it's possible you could lose the battle, but cause the enemy a lot of wounds, which would basically wipe them out. And the cards were really well balanced, so there's going to be a rebalancing here with some new additional cards. They're having new miniatures, which are great, because new miniatures and Kemet's kind of well-known for them. And obviously, what we're looking at here is a game that includes all of the expansions kind of reworked into one, but especially the new tiles that are going to come into this game and some of the new changes that come into this game. So you're not going to have some of the other problems that you had originally with the game that kind of threw things. So for example, there's going to be a limit as number of tiles are concerned as far as what comes out based upon the number of players in the game. So you're not going to have a situation where, oh, this is the best strategy. Let's go with this again and again and again, and maybe somebody won't take it. So having different tiles out there each and every game is going to change the game just enough so that you can play a little bit different. Now, the phases are going to be a little bit different. The setup is going to be a little bit different. Things are going to be a lot clearer. The combat is going to be a little bit more streamlined on top of everything else. And again, this is a tried and true system that if people have played Kemet, they've loved Kemet. It's coming out on Kickstarter and check it out because, again, if the price is reasonable, and that's the one thing we don't know about May 26th, if it's reasonable, this is going to be a must-back for me. Yeah, Kemet. Yeah, so this is the game that made me not back Onk when it was on Kickstarter a couple months ago. And it, like, it's funny because they're not really the same game, but they have a lot in common, right? You have the Egyptian theme, you've got the dudes on a map, and, you know, somewhat, I wouldn't say similar mechanics and then kind of a different approach to how to do it. But, and it's very possible there's room on my shelf for both of these someday. But at the moment with limited funds, this is the one I was holding out for. So it is a fantastic game that it's for some reason I just never got around to buying. Like when we first played it, I loved it. I was in the pro Kemet camp when we did our Kemet versus Cyclades <laughs> showdown like four years ago. And it's just a fantastic game that just hasn't hit my table as much as I would like. So I'm hoping that this fixes that. I, I don't know. I guess I haven't looked into this nearly as much as you have, Chris. But I feel like the upgrades I'm seeing, the new stuff that they're adding is just going to make the game better. I like the new board. I love the upgraded tiles. Um, the new miniatures or adjustments to some of the miniatures. Fantastic. So I'm definitely all in on this one as long as it doesn't cost some crazy amount of money. You know, like that Ankh campaign was, oof, man, it just got pricey. And I think a lot of these games lately with all the miniatures and stuff, it just gets too pricey. So I'm hoping it's under $100, under maybe up to 150 if they had like expansions or extra stuff on top of it. Even that sounds kind of crazy. So like this is a $70, $80 game. Normally, I, I don't want it to cost too much more than that, even with all the extra stuff. So I'm going to keep my eye out for it because I want to pick it up. But 
you know, times being what they are, you got to be careful with the funds. All right, so that's everything that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table and the tablet, and we'll let you know if those games are a buy, and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, and you should avoid them at all costs, or if those games are the dreaded burden, and they should be buried in the sands of Emmett. Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right, yeah, so I wanted to talk about um, two games today, actually. Uh, the first of which, I mean, it's not new. <laughs> this one's been around for, you know, a good two years now and was actually my favorite game of uh, 2018, uh, or close to, it was one or two, I can't remember exactly. Um, but it's on BGA now, and not our BGA, Borgium Arena BGA. <laughs> so um, they put up the the beta for Teotihuacan, which is awesome because i've been spending a ton of time on Borgia marina and i've had a chance now to play it a little bit um i wouldn't say it's totally done um but i personally haven't seen any like bugs i know a couple people who have uh but for the most part it seems you know pretty close to release and it has a couple cool new features in there too like you can request to have your your turn redone you can cancel certain actions things that you can't normally do in a lot of the implementations so uh, not a full review. haven't played it that much yet. But if you are a fan of Teotihuacan, one of the better Euros to come out in the last, I don't know, five years, in my opinion, then um, check it out on Borgi Barina. I think it's premium um, or will be. I'm not 100% sure on that because it is in beta, but it's up there. So <laughs> and if you want to play, I will play with you because I, I love that game. Um the other one I wanted to talk about is uh, something I got to the table table. And this is a, uh, another new one from board and dice called train topia. So train topia is a, a tile lane game. Um, you are building out your roots of trains and a drafting game. So the way it works is at the beginning of every round, you're going to flip a card over. It's going to have a few different items on it. And then a certain number of tiles, you're going to put those items out. You're going to draw those tiles and then you're going to draft them. From, you know, amongst the players, the different things you can pull on your turn are a tile, of course, um, which you'll add to your route um, commuters, which they come in three different colors and will score you points on individual rail lines, depending on how many buildings match their color on that line. We have uh, tourists, which will just score points based on like the different things you see on the route. Um, so it's like bonus points on the tiles you can get. Mailbags, which can double the points of a, a single route, and then trains, which can give you points if there's still money left on the uh, tiles. And some of the tiles have the money icons. These are things you can use to purchase bonus actions down the line. So it's cool stuff. I enjoy it. Um, the and that's pretty much it. I mean, <laughs> about to go into more detail, but there's not much more detail to go into. There are some endgame bonus cards. You'll start with one. You can draw more throughout the game with your bonus actions, but you only get to keep one. And I think they're usually worth between like five and ten points. Um, they don't seem particularly hard to do. Uh, in my experience, everybody in the family didn't have any issues with those. The game is fairly light, of course. Um, it hasn't been rated really by much of anybody on BGG yet, so it's just at a two. I'd say it's in like the one point seven-ish range um definitely on the lower end this is one that i had zero problem teaching to the entire family including the five-year-old you know a little bit of help with recognizing symbols and matching them up but for the most part you are drafting you are placing in your tableau the end <laughs> so <laughs> very simple game in that way 
Um, but I like it. I think I'm going to keep it on the shelf. I think it's a good family game. I think the the kids enjoy it. Um, it's quick. It takes like 30 minutes. And yeah, it's it's worth checking out if you're looking for something in that kind of middleweight, um, quick and easy uh, kind of category. That's not, I wouldn't say Carcassonne-ish, but similar in weight, similar in complexity. Um, actually, a little bit easier even. <laughs> it might be. So that is Traintopia. I would give that one a play. All right, so let me talk about a game that I actually got to the table this week. This was a recent Kickstarter that delivered. This is Tang Garden. Now, Tang Garden became almost a little infamous because it was one of these wondrous overproductions from Thundergriff Games, and we didn't hear anything about it for like the longest time. So I actually had other games delivered to me that were far bigger, and everyone was waiting for Tang Garden. Well, it did arrive, did get it to the table, and let me tell you, it's kind of a surprising game. Now, Tang Garden, if you didn't back it on Kickstarter or haven't gotten a chance to get to the table yet, probably the biggest thing that I was wondering about, and maybe you are too, is where does it fit as far as you know a super light game, maybe even a gateway game, or to a little bit of a heavier point of view? When you read the Kickstarter and you see some of the images, you notice there's a lot of symbology on the game. On top of which, there's a lot of different components that come with the game that you'll actively utilize as things go on. So what exactly is it? Well, let me tell you. Tangarden is basically Carcassonne and Takedo. Like if they had a baby, that would be Tangarden. So the whole basis of the game is you are putting together this wondrous, iconic Chinese garden. And as you do so, you're going to be able to score a lot of different points based on certain conditions, which I'll talk about. So basically on your turn, you are going to do one of two things. The primary thing is you're going to take a tile from one of the four different corners that represent the four different elements here in this game. And you are going to place it somewhere on the board. If it's able to match up with the other tiles that it's around, or at least one of the tiles that it's next to, then you're going to get like a link kind of situation, just like Carcassonne, right? Everything has to link together to make logical sense. So if you have a tile that has a water side to it, you got to put the water side there. One side is not better than the others, but you have to connect it in a way that it makes sense. Now, this isn't too complicated because, again, you have four sides of the tile. The sides are pretty forgiving. It's not going to break your brain to find a place to put this on the board. And basically, since everyone's putting tiles on the board to match these different natural elements, it's it's kind of a somewhat cooperative kind of feeling to it as you build up this wondrous garden. If you're not doing that, if for some reason there are not great options on the board and some of the options are are down, then you're going to have an opportunity to draw a decoration card. Now, if you watched the Kickstarter previously, you notice a lot of 3D elements here in this game that you can utilize in order to kind of spruce up your garden a bit. So, for example, you're going to have a lot of bridges. You're going to have a lot of decorative areas. You're going to have a lot of little sideboards that you're going to be able to add to the map. Obviously, you're going to have this wondrous different trees you could add to kind of decorate your garden up. There's going to be a number of different combination of decorations that are going to benefit you or other players throughout the game. So you will select from these different decorations. 
you will decide where they go on the map. Now, obviously, they have to match with the different symbols that are on the tiles. And as you do this, as you add more tiles and you add more decorations, you are going to be able to, I guess, power up or strengthen your own personal board. So as you get these three elements going throughout the game, so you have your water elements that get connected together. So you move your little blue cube up there. If you have your vegetation, the green spot moves up. And then obviously for the land and the rock elements, the yellow spot's going to move up. As you move these different elements up, if all three have passed a certain spot or gone beyond, you're going to be able to call a new character to the board. Now, these characters are really where you're going to score your points in the game. Now, you already have your starting goals and your starting characters, but you're going to be able to invite more characters to the board. Once you're able to do that, there'll be different spots on the board that will welcome the characters. And your decision here is where to place the characters. So once if you decided which character you're going to choose, which way they face is going to score you points. So you look at the bottom of the card. Sometimes there'll be an initial ability that'll come into play, but 99% of the time, these are end game bonus cards. So it will say... It wants to face the sun, it wants to face the moon, it wants to face a tree, something to that nature. So again, based on where the board state happens to be, you might want to place that figure to be directly in line with that particular decoration or landscape. As the board builds out, little tokens on the board are going to allow you to put in more background features. So whether it's buildings or whether it's landscapes, as far as the board comes to an edge you're going to score more additional points at the end of the game. And that's pretty much it. With the exception of these lantern tiles, they're going to give you little bonuses for your actions. That's pretty much in a nutshell. So Tang Garden, again, is a whimsical, beautiful game in the vein of Takedo where it's not asking too much of you, but the symbology is going to ask a little more than Takedo. And the same thing with Carcassonne. Carcassonne's typically about placing out tiles and placing meeples to score points. Here, this is still kind of true where you're adding decorations to the board and you are adding figures, quote unquote, to the board. So it has some similarities there. You know, vanilla Carcassonne will be lighter than this. Some Carcassonne versions obviously are going to be a little more complex. According to uh, BGG, this game is currently at a 2.59 weight. I think that's about right. I mean, the symbology, you have to go back to the book in order to understand how things match up. But there is a lot on the board. There is a lot on the cards. This is probably not a gateway game just because, again, you're trying to maximize the number of points. So it, it might be a next step game or, depending on your group, could easily be a gateway game that you could get with the family. So for 10 Garden... I'm going to give it a solid play. Again, your game group would vary if all of these elements bring it up to a buy. Uh, It was on Kickstarter, had a bunch of different expansions to it. So hopefully get it to the table and hopefully it moves up to a buy with a little more complexity. I also back this. (laughs) Okay. I hope it's a play. Like, I don't know. I haven't played it yet. I don't have the group to play it with. Obviously, I have my family. Uh, they're very young. And then my wife is very tired. For the amount I paid for this game, I I want it, I want it to be a 2.5 to 3. <laughs> like, 
I want to be able to get it out with my game group. Like just being an entry level gateway game is too light for me. Like I said, it's a Carcassonne, Takedo kind of weight to it. It's a beautiful game. It's a great production. And I'll check back with you, Anthony. I'll let you know if the expansions actually bring it up a little bit heavier. But right now, it's a solid play. All right, so that's everything that's hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the BGG hotness. What everyone's looking to get to the table or the tablet these days is burning up the list. And our friend Anthony is bringing you the hottest games in the industry. All right, Anthony, what do you have for us this week? All right. So for the feature, of course, once again, we do this every month or so. We have the BGG hotness. So these are the top 15 games as they're currently ranked on BoardGameGeek. For reference, today is May 26th because this can change at any moment. Pretty much any time a Kickstarter launches, Board Game Arena launches a new game. I think we're in a little bit of a calm before the storm right now because we have Asmodee held back all their releases for two months. And they're going to dump, I think, most of them in the month of June. So you're going to see a whole bunch of new stuff pop on the list, old games coming back, um, new stuff. You know, just going to flood in there over the next like four or five weeks. But for now, this is kind of an interesting snapshot into what people are playing and interested in during the pandemic. So let's run down the list real quick. This might be a little shorter than usual, just because, you know, a lot of these games we know, but it's always fun to kind of see why they're there. So first up, we got Kemet Blood and Sand, um, which Chris, of course, just talked about uh, is on Kickstarter. And it is the like, not quite 2.0, but basically revamped version of Kemet and I backed it. Uh, Chris backed it. I think everybody else is going to back it. So <laughs> it's well worth checking out if you're a Kemet fan. Um, next on the list is my city. This is the new one from uh, Reiner Knizia. And it is, I mean, it's relatively light. It's like a tile laying type of thing. Um, but this game has a legacy element to it. And it's like legacy light. Cause again, this is like a two weight game. It's nominated for the spiel of Shard, So it's a very light game. But it does have 24 episodes in it that you can play through. So looks interesting. Sounds interesting. I don't think it's out here in the States yet, but it should be soon. You can find a copy or not. Who knows? Because, you know, shortages and uh, Spiel nominee combined often make it a little difficult to find these things. We have Gloomhaven at number three. Perfect game to play kind of by yourself or with a loved one who's into heavier games right now. We have Nemesis. This is the... Big, big box, Awakened Realms, Alien clone that took the list by storm. It's like number 33 now on Board Game Geek. They have a new Kickstarter that they've kind of mentioned is coming soon. So you're going to be able to pick up a copy of this for less than $500. But also there's expansion content coming. So I think this has been on the list for a while, but I think it moved up because we're you know hearing about a second printing of it. Terraforming Mars. Again, always on the list like Gloomhaven. No new content that I'm aware of. This game in particular, I'm usually pretty on top of. So if there's new content, but it is, I don't know, it's just one of the best games, period. So yeah, absolutely. It's still on here. It's going to stay on here for uh, the indeterminate future, probably. And hopefully that Kickstarter that's been rumored comes about soon and we get, you know, and I say rumored, but it's, you know, Bonacore is going around telling everybody about it. So hopefully it's happening sooner or later. Uh, Santa Monica, this is a new one from AEG, and it's it's got like this really, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the the artwork, but it's just like a very California vibe. You know, it's very light, like three, four colors, 
just reminds you of like that soft 60s almost kind of coloration. And in this one, you are just trying to make a really appealing neighborhood. So do you want to make like a beach neighborhood? Do you want a bunch of tourists? You're going to be drafting cards, putting them into your tableau, building out your beach and manipulating those, of course, to try to score points in the most efficient way. So this is AEG's big uh, spring release, and it's getting good, some good buzz so far. I have not had a chance to play it yet, but am looking forward to it. Uh, we have Wingspan. Wingspan is Wingspan. So <laughs> this one did have a beta of the app that ran, I think, for a few days last week. It also has won pretty much every award in existence. So there's that. <laughs> um, we had uh, the Golden Geek Awards were announced you know, a few weeks back, and it won pretty much every category it could have won. Um, Dice Star Awards are coming up. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again. Do you have a vote in that? We do both do. Spirit Island is on here as well. I believe this is, you know, up on the list a little bit higher than usual because of the app, uh, the Steam app that launched um, about three, four weeks ago. Uh, we reviewed that last week. It's good. It doesn't have multiplayer, but if you like solo Spirit Island, it's very good for that. Um, I've been playing a heck of a lot of it. So definitely something to keep an eye on. There's new content for this coming soon as well from the Kickstarter that they ran last year, um, which I didn't back. I don't even know why. It's just absolutely insane that I didn't back that, but I didn't. So now I have to try to find it <laughs> when it finally comes out. Um, next on the list, Arkham Horror, the card game. And there's not any new content for this here in the States, but I think a lot of these releases continued in Europe and some other countries. So there's new content every month, which tends to keep these games at the top of the list. In my opinion, the best LCG out there and one of the best solo card games, period. It's not surprising that it just kind of stays up here on the list. Always interesting for people. Everdell here on the list at number 10. And this one had some new expansion content that came out not too long ago. I think the Kickstarter stuff came in in March. That stuff's trickling through to, to retail as well. So got a lot of people who got their Kickstarter content, other people who are just now getting to find copies of those things. Um, the Crew Quest for Planet Nine was nominated for the Kenner Spiel this year's. I reviewed this uh, a couple months ago, gave it a buy. It is probably my favorite trick-taking game and one of my favorite like short, quick co-op games. This game is so much fun and it's just, you have to play it at least once. Uh, it's not for everybody. Some people just don't want that level of complexity in a trick-taking game, but I think it's fantastic. So I'm glad to see it's up here on the list and other people are thinking the same thing. We have A War of Whispers. So this is, it's similar to King's Dilemma in some ways. It is a competitive game. You're obviously going against each other, but on your turn, you're going to be doing various shady things because this is, you know, a war of whispers, right? Not, not a straight up war. So you're deploying agents, like secret agents and stuff. You have council positions on the Empire Council. You're going to each take actions for each of those. Uh, and so there's all sorts of like, you know, betting, bluffing, hidden victory points, spying, all sorts of stuff. It's like it's more content. It's more going on than like a King's Dilemma, which is pretty streamlined and simple. But it's got a similar vibe. And so I know a lot of people are, are digging this in the same way that I have been digging King's Dilemma. Um, it is on Kickstarter as we speak, and, and you guys get a chance to listen to this. So if that's the kind of game you're interested in, uh, the Dark Alliances and Collector's Edition are available on Kickstarter. So that's why it's up here on the list. Cartographers, a role player tale. This was nominated for the Kenner Spiel as well. 
And this is my favorite roll and write, flip and write, whatever you want to call it, from last year. Um, you get to draw a little map, and it's got some cool little mechanics and different scoring mechanisms based on the cards you draw. Very, very cool and quick and easy and very teachable to young children. Honestly, I don't feel like it's a Kennerspiel game. We went over this last week, but I don't think it's a Kennerspiel game. I think it's a spiel game, but it's, you know, teach their own. It's fun. It's if you're going to play flip and write type of game, this is definitely up there on the list. Nova Luna. Uh, this one is from uh, Uwe Rosenberg and I think Stronghold here in the States. And I have not had a chance to play this yet. Um, everything I've heard about it is fantastic. A lot of people really, really enjoying this game. So I want to play and I plan on doing so as soon as I can find a copy. So that is in the cards. Hopefully this one is nominated as well for the spiel. And I, I'm just looking forward to getting it to the table. And last but not least on the list at number 15, we have root root is always on the list because root is amazing. Um, it also has new content that comes out every nine months or so, including the two new uh, factions that, most people got if they back the Kickstarter in January. I don't know if it's possible to find this stuff right now elsewhere. If you didn't back it, um, it's often hard to get stuff <laughs> from uh, leader games because it sells out so quickly. But I know that's part of it. I also know there's an app in development that is not too far away. So that is another thing that uh, people have to look forward to. But yeah, it tends to, it's another one that just kind of ends up on the list a lot of the time. So. There you have it. We have the 15 games from the BGG Hotness. Um, a few new ones in there. Not a ton, but keep your eyes peeled because I feel like next month you're going to see a whole bunch more. So um, the floodgates are about to open and it should be good. Lots of good stuff this summer coming out. All right. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at the table. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.